This is the Jordan Innovation Lab podcast. In the coming months, you will meet some of the students, teachers, and alumni who make Jordan High School such a special part of the Durham community. We hope you enjoy their stories. This is Stuart Albright with the Jordan Innovation Lab podcast, and I'm really excited to have in studio Astrid, who is a senior at Jordan High School and has a really, really interesting story about her path to coming to the United States, and I'm really excited to get to talk with her. So Astrid, welcome. It's good to have you. Thank you. Uh, So first off, if you could just kind of walk us through your journey coming here, uh, starting with growing up in Honduras, like what what your life was like in Honduras, what your neighborhood was like, uh, what memories you have from your time there. Um, Well, uh, my life over there wasn't bad at all. Uh, I used to live with my aunt and uncle, who I called uh, mom and dad. Basically, we lived in uh, houses that uh, were made of dirt and uh, the ceilings were made out of, um, I can't remember the exact word of it, but um, uh, water would come into the houses sometimes. All the houses um, were pretty close to each other because it was a small village and everybody would know everyone. And it was so such a like welcoming environment and village because like the neighbors were so nice to each other. And it was like, a, I wouldn't say family, but Everybody knew each other, like, close. Well, was it a smaller village? Yeah, or? it was a smaller village. It was in a city. Uh, but I was born in the city, but I didn't grow up in the city. I grew up in the village, you know, with, like, a lot of trees, not much cars. Uh, the streets were not pavement. They were, like, sand, dirt, whatever you want to call it. And it was a really nice place, honestly. Uh, made a lot of friends, too. And the school... For my third grade class, we only graduated like three or four kids because it was so small. Yeah. So everybody knew everyone, and it was a small village for the school. Uh, the parents would be the ones who would make the food, like lunch, mm. or sometimes we would go home and eat lunch and they come back to school again. It was honestly really different when coming here, totally different, more advanced, you know, more people. So, yeah. And what about, um, so this whole time you're living with your grandfather and your, some of your, your cousins, right? So, uh, and your mom at this point is in the United States. Yes, And, yes. Uh, and how often would you, uh, would you talk with her on the phone or how, how did that so, work? So, um, not much often, probably like once a week. You know, it was not an everyday thing because, you know, technology back then wasn't really advanced. Uh, we used to use Skype, you know, to mm-hmm. see each other. But it's not the same as, you know, having the person right in front of you. And I did not live with my grandpa. I used to live with my aunt and uncle. But, you know, my grandpa used to live close to us. And I lived with my other cousin who uh, was like a sister to me because we grew up together. Got it. And mm-hmm. the whole time that you were living there, did you, did your mom kind of indicate to you that she eventually, her plan was to get you to the United States? Yeah, um, almost every year her plan was to bring me here. And uh, she honestly, the only reason she left was because uh, she she was a single mom. So uh, my dad was never in the picture. So this meant that my mom had to, you know, be the only one there. So she came to the U.S. basically just to, like, send money to my aunt and uncle so she could provide for me. She left me when I was, like, nine months. Mm. So, you know, I didn't 
really have a picture of my own mother or like I didn't have that connection with her. But she would tell me that she was gonna bring me like every year, but you know, something always was always on the way. So it never really happened until like years later. And did it did it scare you the thought of like leaving or what would it Yes, that? definitely yes, because um, you know, I grew up really close with uh this family that took care of me because they put me into their house and they made me feel welcome and they took a they took care of me as their own child like their own child and every time she would say oh I'm bringing you here Astrid and I I would always cry because I never wanted to leave because you know like oh you're you're separating me from this family and you're bringing me to a whole different country where I don't know anyone mm -hmm. not even you you know but you know I always they always taught me you need to love your mother and all of that, but you know, in my in my heart, like in my head, I was like, you know, but I don't know her. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know her. I, all I know that she is my mom, but <laughs> I don't know her, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. So walk us through that moment when you find out, okay, it's, it's finally so, coming. So um, we did have a house in the city that we would like often go to. So uh, we were in the city, which is the capital of Honduras. It's called Tegucigalpa. So we were at the house, and my mom decided to call my other mom, which is my aunt, and she was like, oh, I'm bringing her this time. We're ready. We have everything set. The person who's taking her, she's definitely coming this time. So, you know, in my head, I was like, oh, my gosh, she's really doing this. So, you know, I hugged my other mom, the one that I was living with, and, you know, my, my heart broke. I started crying. I was like, no, I can't leave, you know, like, I'm too young for this. Like, how are you going to put a child through all of this at such a young age. But um, my mom, the reason she got me here at such a young age is because, um, you know, kids grow. Kids are teenagers. Uh, teenagers uh, have a different mindset, you know. She was afraid that I was gonna be like a rebel, you know, mm -hmm. gonna say, oh my God, you left me because of this and that. Um, why, why are you doing this to me? So she wanted to bring me here at such a young age to basically discipline me to not be a rebel or like go against her you know and uh that never actually happened um I was always like understand it understandable towards her and her decisions because I knew all she wanted was to give me a better life yeah. so you're in you're in the capital mm -hmm. and uh you're with your your aunt and uh so walk us through the next step there so then you make the the journey yeah. north right yeah so a week later we're all set to go uh everything it's ready and uh, they told, um, my mom told my other mom, oh, my dad is coming with them, which is my grandpa. Mm -hmm. And everyone was like, why are you putting him through that? You know, he's, he's, he's old, he's uh, of age, and why are you going to put him through that? But, you know, my grandpa loves us. He's like, I'm, I'm going to take them. I'm mm -hmm. ready to go with them. We had to leave early in the morning. And, you know, my other mom didn't come with me to the uh, transportation that was going to take us to a different um, country mm -hmm. so she didn't come with us with us because it was really hard for her like just seeing us leave after because, she because raised her us her daughter so her daughter is my cousin you. and I her daughter her daughters were leaving so you know she didn't come with us um, but my uncle did come with us um, he was like I can't leave them but it was too it was so hard for her uh, you know uh, we got in the in the bus, because we first traveled through bus, uh, we got in the bus, my grandpa got in with us, and it was so hard because I was looking out the window and I could see my uncle right there, and I was like, oh, we're really leaving, you know? Mm -hmm. 
It's okay. It's okay. Anyways, um, we left, and I'm sorry. I can't keep it's okay. It's been so long since I last talked about this, and in my family, we really don't discuss any of this, because it's like everyone has done it, and it's something normal at this point, you know. But um, we left. We went through El Salvador, um, Guatemala, and then we got to Mexico. And in Mexico, um, this is like really bad because they put us in this house once we got to Mexico. And this house had uh, no disrespect to any like Mexican people, but they had the death, you know, like the the skull thing, mm-hmm. big one. They had her like in the with a lot of candles in it. And, you know, me as a nine-year-old, I saw that. I was scared, you know. And there will, uh, there will be times that uh, we were allowed to call my mom. So I, I called her, and I was like, you need to get me out of here. Mm-hmm. I cannot be here because this place is just horrendous. Like, you could feel the smell. You could feel the smell of death. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but you could just feel it because... Um, so is this like an altar, like the Day of the Dead altar? Kind uh, of? Yeah, kind of like that, but there's people who worship it, like, right. uh, you know, like a god, you know. Right, right. There's people who worship it. So it's like, you need to get me out of here. So she did paperwork uh, with the person who was bringing us here, and they got us out the same night, which was uh, great because, you know, we were leaving and this is when they take us to a different house and this house is uh this house is near the um the border right this house is near the border we spent like a night there right near near the border near the border of uh, mexico and texas got it right uh we spend a night there and they're they're telling us oh we're gonna take us to the rio grande river Mm -hmm. so you're gonna cross and we're like, okay, you know, we're, we're little girls, you know, confused as to what's the Rio Grande, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, my grandpa is with us at all times, you know, he's never letting us go. At this point, it's your grandfather and it's your cousin who's about your age. My right? age, yeah, and the person who's leading us to the... And that's the person y'all have paid to kind Yeah, of get to you. pay it, yes, yes, yes. And uh, as we were crossing, it was nighttime. They took us to the Rio Grande. This was, like, near... 2, 3 a.m. in the morning. It was sometime in the morning. Like, and, and it was that's nighttime. A, that's a big river, right? Like- it is. It's really dangerous, too, because uh, apparently the currents are really strong. You can drown. A lot of people drown there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been on the news. And uh, we got these floating boats, and one of the floating boats was leaking. And I was in one of them. Mm. But we still made it through the other side. Uh, you I say f- a floating boat, like it looked like kind of like an inner inner two, like a large inner two. Yeah, or? yeah, yeah, yeah. And there were other people crossing with us, but they weren't in our same group. Got it. Like they weren't with the same person that was helping us pass through. As we were crossing, we had a walk more, and uh, we saw the big "Welcome to Texas," mm. and you know that's how I knew, oh, we made it. We're here. Right. You know, we're here. I saw it, and I was like, oh, my God, finally. You know, finally I'm going to get to see my mom. You know, I'm finally going to be able to, like, you know, hug her, meet her. Uh, But, no, we had to walk more to make it to the big famous wall, you know, like Mm. the wall. Our intention was to get get ICE attention so we could get, like, into their um, system. We We wanted them to get to us. So, you know, we waited, 
and they got to us. Of course they got to us because, no. you know, they're they're surrounding the whole area. Right. So were there people that were crossing with you who were trying to take the other route of trying yeah, to Yeah, there, there was definitely people who were not, they were not wanting to, you know, like, go with ICE. But we did. Mm-hmm. We wanted to be in the system because we wanted, you know, something from right. them. So, you know, they got to us. They put us in their truck, you know. But um, before doing that, they made us, like, take a take off any like shoelaces anything that was like uh you know like the hoodie laces too Mm -hmm. any personal items like your phones wallets everything 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 not you you couldn't even keep your ids with you Mm. everything was to them and uh after that they took us into their uh centers and once we walked in it was all bright like white 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 and a whole bunch of people just there, you know. And um, we walked in. They asked us to tell us um, our name, you know. They took a picture of it. They took a picture of us. Um, I actually do still have that picture really? in case you want to see it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I still have it. And um, you could see my eye bags because, you know, endless days with no sleeping right, and just right. traveling through, like, three different countries. Yeah, what was the total number of days it took to get <laughs> Well, through? we're not exactly sure, but I'm pretty sure it was, like, one or two weeks just traveling wow. around and through buses, sometimes walking. After we got inside the sensors, they told us, they told us we don't have any room. There was a lot of people. It was packed. So what this they... This is a 2014. In 2014. Okay. 2014, it was near uh, February or March. They told us we don't have any rooms, so they put us underneath a table. We were there for a moment, and then we saw them, and they got us some um, camping beds. Two camping beds. One was for my cousin and I, and the other one was for my grandpa. So you and your cousin were having to share a camping We were bed. supposed okay. to, yeah. Um, I remember that. I was, like, really scared. You know, there was this big clock on the side where the offices were. And I would just look at that clock wondering, you know, what day is it, what month, you know. You know, I could only tell the time uh, because there were no windows, nothing. It was It was just a room with a whole bunch of people and officers, you know, speaking English because, you know, I didn't know any English. I was just confused. So we got there. We were there for, I don't know, probably like two days, three days. Who God knows how long we were there <laughs> because you couldn't really tell anything. After that, they decided to take us somewhere else. You know, in my head, I was like, oh, my God, I'm finally going to go like somewhere decent, you know, probably with my aunt. They're finally going to take me with my aunt because my aunt lives in Texas. Mm-hmm. So I thought to myself, Oh, they're going to take me with my aunt. No, I was, like, completely wrong. They took us to a different center, and this time my grandpa got separated from us. They put my grandpa in a room full of men, and they put my cousin and I in a room full of kids uh, with women, you know. But this time it was much worse because there were no beds. It was just a hard concrete floor, and they put aluminum foil as covers. Like, during the night, they would call like people's name you know for like I'm guessing to put them in the system I have no idea often there would be like oh we got food you know juice and that's about it like no water I don't remember Mm. (laughs) getting water probably they had the water fountains uh the bathrooms were horrible too you know uh most of the bathrooms just smelled so bad there was a wall just like covering half of your body from the bathroom no door it, it wasn't great, but, you know, at least we got here somehow. 
the people who you're in there with, did their did their emotions kind of range from kind of fear? Yeah, or? It, I mean, you could feel the fear. Like, if some people were crying. Some people were yelling, you know, get me out of here, you know. Uh, speaking Spanish, obviously, because most of us were, like, you know, from Central America, Mexico, or, like, any of the states, any of the countries, I mean. And, um, and how are you feeling at this point? <laughs> I was feeling... Ch- terrified you know no adult with me just a whole bunch of strangers and you know a kid in a jail being treated that way sleeping on the floor and using aluminum foil as covers I don't I don't think that's something a nine-year-old should be doing that you know or going through that at such a young age I mean I feel personally that the way they treated everyone there is not a way to treat a human being I I just don't agree by the way they were doing that. It was just bad in my opinion. But, you know, like, somehow we have to get here, you know. And we're all just looking for a better life, better education, better future. But, you know, they always see it as something bad. You so know, you, I'm, So you were at this place for uh, several more days, the second Yeah, the second center. center. And, you know, they finally called uh, for my cousin and I. And, you know, for the for the third time, we thought, oh, finally, we're leaving. But no, um, since we are minors, uh, we were put in a foster care. And that's when they contacted my mother and they told her, oh, you need to do paperwork. You know, they put us in the foster care. And honestly, the foster care was just so much better. We went to school there, too. We'll be with this family. And they treated us really nice as well, you know, and on Sundays they would take us to uh, the Dollar Tree to buy whatever we wanted, <laughs> and um, we stayed in the foster home for about a month. And the the school that you were in in that month was was all students. Who it was were... it was it was kids who had just come from students who had just crossed the border. It was not a normal school like you know you come in here with other kids. No, it was just kids. Uh, who had just came here, Uh, you know, we all spoke Spanish, they treated us nicely, you know, they would teach us the basic about the U.S., you know, the precedents and all of that. Uh, They were honestly really kind to us. And after that, a month passed, and my mom got all that paperwork. This is when my mom um, got everything done, and they gave me, like, a permit to fly an airplane because keep in mind I don't have a passport I don't have an ID I don't have anything I'm just like existing without an added identification as I got uh, as we got the permit you know a week later I believe I was supposed to leave but my cousin had to stay and that's another hard thing because you know I grew up with my cousin and leaving my cousin behind and me leaving was just like extremely hard because it's, it's the only person who I knew at this point you know but I had to leave but one person from the centers, from the foster care, came with me to take me over there. So she was like, uh, don't cry when you see your mom. And that's the first thing I did when I saw my mom. <laughs> and um, and, what, she, and what, your grandfather, at this point, did you know that he was going to be deported back? So they told us that he couldn't come with us when we left for foster care. They told us, um, I'm sorry, you know, your grandfather can't make it. You know, they were only allowing uh, mothers with their children's or fathers with their children's, but they had to be, like, parents, yeah. not, like, aunt, uncle, grandfather. So, sadly, my uh, my grandpa was taken back, and he's 
now over there living his best life. I'm did, you, did you get to see him before he left? Um, no, we just I just saw him through the window, and I saw him looking at us with, like, this face. You know, I still remember to this day. Uh, but, no, sadly, he, he couldn't make it with us. As we as I got to the airport, we took two planes, one from one from uh from the local airport in Texas to the international one, and from the international one took me to here to NC. And that's when my mom was waiting for me at the RDU, you know, mm-hmm. the one over here like yeah. 30 minutes away. She was waiting for me with my sister. Uh, my who was born here, right? My sister was born here. She was working with my sister and my uh, my sister's dad, my aunt, and my two cousins. And they all waited for me here with big signs saying, <laughs> Welcome home, Astrid. And, you know, I was crying and hugging them, even though I didn't know them. But, you know, <laughs> it was my mother. finally got to meet her. And at first, it was extremely hard for me because, you know, I didn't know her. I didn't know anyone. And then, you know, she got me into school. And this is the part where they told me that they couldn't put me in the grade that I was supposed to because school in Honduras is different than it is here. Mm -hmm. So back in January, I was starting fourth grade. But over here, they were ending the year. So that means if they put me in fourth grade, I will be skipping a year. Mm -hmm. So they just put me back in third grade again so I could start fourth grade the following year. Uh, They put me in ESL classes. It was extremely hard for me because uh, the school made me take tests, like the EOG, they call Mm -hmm. them. They made me take those tests, and, you know, I didn't know any English. The test was was entirely in English. In in English, I was struggling. I was crying. You know, I was frustrated. I was like, Mom, I can't do this. Like, why are you putting me in a school that I don't understand anything? So my mom stood up to me and told me, are the words different? Are the letters different? Are the numbers different? And that's when my mindset kind of changed. You know, I was like, she's right. You know, I can't, like, close myself into thinking that, oh, this is, like, completely different than, well, it is, but, you know. And then, you know, I was put into different programs. Uh, Thank you to this one teacher. Her name is Miss Arella. This woman helped me so much with English. She put me into different programs. She taught me English like nobody else did. And this is at the beginning of your fourth grade. Yeah, you're, beginning of fourth grade. And is, and you're, um, at, you're at Hope Valley at this I'm point. I'm at Hope Valley Elementary School, you know, uh, working my way through it, even though they had made me take the EOGs and getting those results back because I obviously failed. Oh, you yeah, know, you obviously failed because the, everything was in English. And uh, looking back at it, uh, I was like, no, I can't. I need, I need, you know, at this point I was like, what, 10? 10 and a half, you know, like, I need to do better. So I started reading more books. I started getting um, into school, like, uh, taking it serious and learning from my peers, you know, and not letting myself down because if I did let myself down, it was going to be, you know, either lose or win. But I wanted to win because, you know, I like to work hard. Mm -hmm. So I told myself, you're going to do this. Six months later, I'm I'm learning it. I'm Mm -hmm. getting it. I'm speaking it. I'm writing it. Year later, fifth grade, they make me take the exams, the ESL exams. I pass them all. I did not need to go into another ESL class (laughs) once again. By fifth grade, were you in a a non-ESL class at Hood Valley? Yes, I was by fifth grade. And by the end of the year of fifth grade, they made me take the exams, and I passed them all. And I was the happiest person alive. I was (laughs) like, finally, because 
I show them that I could do it. Mm -hmm. And I believe anyone else can do it too. Because it's going to seem hard at first, and it is. But um, if you set your mind to it, and if you keep telling yourself, I am going to be able to do it, you are going to do it. Mm -hmm. Of course, you're going to struggle at first, but if you don't struggle at first, how are you going to progress? You know, you learn from the struggles in your life. Right now, you know, as through middle school, I still struggle with, like, understanding some words, but I got into reading. And now I went through my high school with straight A's. Been passing all of my classes, been doing good in school, uh, been getting more into writing, uh, reading more, and honestly, that has helped me a lot. And I just want to say that I know there's people out there that, that are just like me. And I just want to tell them that, I mean, it's going to seem hard, hard, really hard, but uh, they're not alone. There's a lot of people out there going through different situations. And I feel like if your situation is just like mine, like, you should put it out there, you know. Don't let it, like, just because you came from a different country is bad. It's not. You're different. And different makes you good because it makes you unique. Mm-hmm. It makes you your own persona, you know, like your own person. And, it's, and right now you're currently going through the process of trying to get your, your paperwork. And yes, back, And that's yes. a long process, Process, right? yeah. Where, where Thanks to my that? mother. Uh, she hired a lawyer, and we put in um, all of the paperwork because at first they gave me court back in 2014, but all of the paper got, paperwork got lost. Mm-hmm. So uh, as the paperwork got lost, that means the court dates got lost. So we went like about six, seven years without nothing until my mom was like, you know what, I want you to go to college. I know you want to go to college, so we're going to open back your case. So we opened back my case, and thank God and thank thanking my mom and, like, the people who have helped me, I'm able to get something. Right now I'm just waiting on um, them to come to me mm-hmm. because uh, they gave me the great news that uh, I'm getting something and I'm going to be able to... Uh, use that something for my education or like for a job or anything like that so uh, my status right now is it's on the way you know yeah um, and the same with your mom it's same with my mother as well Uh, thank god we uh, she hired someone else and she's in the same process as me we're both uh, hopefully gonna get something and that will affect, obviously, whether you'll be able to get in-state tuition. With yes, honestly, just recently I filled out the residency and it says I don't uh, qualify for in-state because, you know, I, I qualify as an exchange student, like, from a different country. Mm-hmm. My mom has been doing taxes and everything here for the past 16 years, 17 years, you know, so I should be able to qualify for that. And then getting... Uh, Whatever uh, the U.S. government gives me, I should be able to get something from that. Immigration is such a, you know, it's a weighty issue in our society, and it's politically people are on both extremes really get fired up about it, and there's just a lot of just you know negative rhetoric about it. You know, if you were to speak to a politician who just says, you know, we need to have a stricter immigration policy, we need to not let as many people into this country as we do. Uh, to provide like a human face to that, like what would you say to someone who is critical of letting in people to our country? That's a really hard question to answer because there's different opinions regarding who to let in because there's different groups who want to come in. There's people who want to come in come in for a, a better future. There's people who come in with no uh, reason at all. And there's people who come in to do damage, mm. right? 
So I wouldn't say a politi- the politician is right or wrong. Hmm. The politician has its reasons, but, uh, you know, they shouldn't be too strict because, you know, everyone has a reason. And until you don't know that reason, it's when you should decide what uh, what to do because there's many people who skip immigra- immigration because they think, oh, they're going to think we're, you know, uh, crossing to do dangers, you know. So I don't think the politicians should think that way. I think they should think that um, maybe they're coming for something greater, you know. I really don't know how to answer that question without being biased towards an answer Mm -hmm. because there's people who come in for a better future and there's people who come in not for that. Right. Yeah. So it would depend on what the person (laughs) is really coming for. It does amaze me how some people think that everyone who comes here are uh, aliens Mm -hmm. or people who are stealing jobs. It amazes me because, like, us, we're not trying to do that. We are just trying to be a better version of ourselves and show this country that we can help them, Mm -hmm. not necessarily steal anything from you. We just want to add into you to let you guys know that we are here to help you not to steal from you and my last question is um one reason why your story hits so home to me on a personal level is uh, my son Kaysen is a fourth grader at Hood Valley <laughs> Elementary same grade same school where where you first came in and he's got several students in his class right now who have just come to America speak no English and uh He's, we've had conversations about him trying to be a good friend to those people. But if you were to speak to those students who are probably wide-eyed and scared about being in this, this strange place and not understanding the language, uh, what advice would you give to them? I would tell them to not be scared, which is a hard thing. But um, I would tell them that it's okay to fail. Because if you don't fail, you're not going to learn. And it's okay to struggle at first because if you struggle, that's going to show you where your weaknesses are. And you don't want people to get into your weaknesses. You know, I want them to uh, know that uh, there's people out there just like them. And I am one of them. I am one of them. And uh, I will always be one of them because it's something that's with me. And it's like my story. And I am willing to like talk to them if I have to and tell them oh you're not alone you know you have people out here you know people who want to be someone good in life that just came the way you did come you know the way you came you know there's people out there who want to do great things and uh, you can be one of them too if you set your mind to it like just don't be scared because if you let that scaredness come to you you're not going to do anything in life Another thing is to always, always, always is really important to ask for help. Always ask for help because you never know if that person you ask for help is also going to need something from you. They might need help from you too. And, you know, you make new friends, you know. But, yeah, just just don't be scared. It's going to be scary at first, but later on it's just fades. It's just fades. You feel included with everyone. You know, talk to a lot of people make friends, even though if they don't speak the same language. You know, somehow, you know, kids, kids make friends out of anything. So, yeah, that's basically it. 
The Jordan Innovation Lab podcast is made possible by donor support. Visit us at jordaninnovationlab.com to learn more about the books, podcasts, and documentary films that make up our program. We're always looking for new ideas, and we appreciate your support.